This podcast contains a few instances of adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. This week on Florida's Fourth Estate, an only child finds out she has 46 half-siblings, all from the same handsome donor. They all use donor number 2757, a very popular choice in the donor world, with his light eyes, fair skin, and clean bill of health. Plus, a firefighter puts out a tasteless post to the wrong account. In response to a television station's Instagram post about a shooting of six people, he goes... About time, Jesus, it's been weeks since we had a good shooting. And our guest, ER Dr. Chase Fawcett. He explains how our healthcare system functions on the front lines. I think pretty much unanimously, uh, ER doctors feel like the ER is not used the way it was meant to be used. Hi there, and welcome to Florida's Fourth Estate. We have another great show for you. It might be the last one because pretty soon I am going to be $1.6 billion richer. You My name's Matt Austin. Right now. <laughs> and I'm Ginger Gadsden. I'm happy to say goodbye, but this would be my last one if I won. And I think it's going to be more than $1.6 billion by the time we roll around to the actual drawing because people are still buying tickets. I think you're right. Yeah. But, okay. you know, we'll see what happens. Right. I, I, that's very exciting. We also have a very exciting guest today. Yeah. Yes. One of the big topics we want to tackle here on Florida's Fourth Estate is health care. Everybody hears politics. I'm so sick of hearing politicians <laughs> talk about health care as if they know something about it. So we brought in McSteamy, McDreamy. <laughs> yes, thank you. The, Dr. Chase I'm Fawcett. glad you corrected that. <laughs> he is an ER doctor, and we're glad to have you with us today. Well, hey, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. And I was telling you guys before the show, like, I love podcasts. I watched you guys on your last podcast, yeah. and yeah. you guys, you guys are great. You guys have like really good chemistry together. I'm, Let's have him back more. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. sure your job kind of prepares you for it, but you guys are really good at this. I, I appreciate that. And, well, uh, that, what people don't know is Matt and I don't even talk off air. Yeah. We don't uh, like oh, each we other hate each other. That probably helps. That way, you don't run out of things. To... <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I watched you guys interview John Morgan, and I, I, I guess you guys, your your booking agent got sick or went on vacation because you guys <laughs> got stuck bringing me in? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, we had an off week this week. <laughs> well, no. okay. well, we had trouble getting <laughs> you because really you're a busy man. Yeah. Busy no, no, we're so glad to have you, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear your perspective on everything because I think it'll be different from what we normally hear. And outside of politics, I just want to hear, like, hey, what really could make our health care system better? Or maybe it's great now. I, I really have no idea. Yeah, it would be nice to hear from someone on your side because you offer some real solutions. And, you know, you're tired of talking to politicians, but we're right in the midst of a big political year you know the elections just around the corner so yeah should Thank be goodness. interesting yes it's, it's almost, almost over, over. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of pressure i'll, I'll do my best yeah exactly you'll yeah. be great you'll, you'll live be. up to it yeah. it'll be fine but we also have to talk about some headlines things that happen in the state of florida that normally we don't get a chance to talk about something just happened recently and we love crazy video and this happened near downtown orlando near lake eola we sent the chopper up because that's how big this thing was. It, um, water main broke yesterday, and it just started gushing water everywhere. By the time we got to it, this is it. There was no more water coming out of it. I think they used it all up. But like an 80-year-old pipe broke and caused all of that. Looks like that. a Tesla. Look at that car. What kind of car? Oh, no, it's not a Tesla. It's not. It's like an Nissan or something. Well, don't put it down. It's, I know, still, it's, still, it's still that guy's car. It's a great car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's still really it's no I thought Tesla. it was going to... Yeah, I wasn't saying, oh, it's okay that oh, it's a Nissan. No. I was just saying, uh, you know, it might have electrified the water and made I, for a more yeah, dangerous it, situation. Exactly, but it 
is a nightmare for the people who are living down there. You know, they said a lot of people did not lose water, surprisingly, but hours and hours, streets are still closed. We're doing this more than 24 hours after. I love the shot we showed a little while ago because on air, we interviewed a guy who was on the ground in his apartment yeah. and the water was up to his front door and it was his car that was actually in the water. But this is something you just don't see every day, and especially it's near, it's Eola Heights, which is near Lake Eola. And that kind of yeah. looks like a sinkhole when you think about it. And you know, Lake Eola is just a big giant sinkhole. Yeah, don't tell people that, it'll scare them. But most uh, of them, well, if you live on a fact. lake, chances a are that thing yeah, is it's a, a sinkhole. sinkhole. It's a sinkhole. Hopefully it has reached its maximum size. Yeah, but. so they're still working on getting it all, you know, squared away and getting all the water pumped out of there. But we, it's just incredible video. But an 80 year old pipe, it's probably just, yeah. you, they just waited it out and said oh we'll fix it when it breaks and there it is it was a big old pipe too it really was. and the hole that thing made it look like somebody dropped a missile on it's crazy it was crazy there. all right also on top of that i thought we'd have a good medical story uh today since we have a doctor in the house oh by the Perfect. way i wanted to ask you about this growth on my inner thigh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> should we go to the bathroom or just do it here oh just gosh i'll leave <laughs> sorry i just always wanted to do that to a doctor because i know everybody does that at a party they like pull you yeah. aside so a hundred and 55 cases of this polio-like illness, they call it acute flaccid myelitis, have popped up across the country. It's scary. I am sure the chaos is ensuing now because if someone, it basically, like everything else, flu-like symptoms. Starts with flu-like symptoms and then basically your kid can't move. So I would imagine you are gonna be seeing a lot more patients. And I, I, I hope not. I mean. This, this happens every year, like some, some kind of like crazy illness happens and uh, you'll see like three or four cases, like dry drowning was a big one. People come in like, oh my God, he, he was swimming in the pool and, and he coughed and I'm worried he's gonna have dry drowning. And you're like, oh, this kid's like playing on his iPhone. Like, hey, what's up, good to see you. Uh, <laughs> Not so how that works. I haven't seen any cases like this, but I, I have had uh, a couple emails sent to me uh, about this, that this is going circulating the news right now. And I'm, I'm sure it's just like everything else, like cough, runny nose and just, you know, 0.01% of those cough noses progress to some kind of weird autoimmune attacking yeah. the nervous system and uh you're just, uh, you're just unlucky in that situation. It is yeah. crazy. And, but and people I, are panicked. But it's funny that you said the dry drowning thing because the other my kid had a swim lesson and my wife was like, oh, we can't put her for, she's tired. We can't put her for a nap. What, you know, what, if, what about that dry yeah, drowning? Try, try, <laughs> like, wait a second. You gotta, you gotta watch out for that fictitious disease, <laughs> man. That's I'm, a, I'm on the news every day and I can think of maybe once in my 14-year like, career. Not in this house. <laughs> we are not buying that young lady. So, yeah. Another cool story too. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, do you have siblings? Yes. How many? I have an older sister. That's it. I have a couple oh. step siblings too. They're older. Oh, okay. That counts. Right. Yeah, no, it oh, counts. No. It don't, counts. don't get into a sibling yeah, contest I mean, I, with Ginger I because. I wasn't like really wait. like raised, so I wasn't going to bring that in. But yeah. Yeah, just, okay. just well, wait. Just wait. Go ahead. So I'm one of 15 kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, 10 girls, five boys. My parents were married for 57 years. Same wow. same parents. Everyone always wants to know. They always, oh, I'm sorry. I'm you're moving the table. Yeah, you're moving. I know. I get excited when I talk about my <laughs> I know. family. The like, hands are yes. going to get to going when her siblings come into play. So 15 siblings, all the same parents. We found a young lady who lives here in Central Florida. Do you want to guess how many siblings, or did we already tell you how many she had? Uh, I think I heard a little yeah, about this. Yeah, I cheated I told him. 46. 46 half-siblings because she had, they, the, they all had the same sperm donor. Donor 2757, he was really popular. 
So you know his number and everything, They huh? give it out because people are asking <laughs> yeah, for it. A lot of research here. It's just like, you never know. <laughs> that's some frozen samples. I mean, 2757. I'll write that down. I, that's, I mean, that's public knowledge. But she found them mostly through social media, which, you know, it can be a cursing or a bless, so, blessing social media. Yeah. But she really wanted to figure out, okay, who are all these people? Can you imagine the family reunion that they are planning right now? They're going to plan a family reunion. Well, she's reunion? trying to get them all together. She's trying to get them all together. So, God, who's going to get stuck with the weird one? You, know, you, don't, you don't even know who the weird one is. You just sit down. You're like, hey, Bob. And you're like, whoa. Get me out of here. You're learning who the weird one is. And there's 46, so there's at least five weird ones. The weird one. Well, if you are looking around and you don't see the weird one, it's, it's you. you. Might be you. Right. Oh. That's, that's a really that's good point. That's how that works. We had a, uh, our investigative reporter, Adriana Ivashinsky, uh, did the story. We want to play a little portion of it so you can just get a better grasp of what we're dealing with here. Kiani and her mom, Ruth, say it was an online visit to the donor sibling registry website that helped them identify several different families. Yeah, we joke around about being sister moms. <laughs> they all use donor number 2757, a very popular choice in the donor world with his light eyes, fair skin, and clean bill of health. He's athletic, super smart, and artistic, so it was kind of like the perfect profile. Kiani says her donor prefers to keep his identity private and has only met a handful of these donor siblings. Uh-oh. These tall, light-skinned, light eyes. I think we might have found 2757, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> 2757 sounds hot. <laughs> 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 what a hang out with this guy. I know everybody wants to meet him. Isn't hey, that crazy? We're, we're, we're passing on the real story here. How many siblings do you have? 14. And what position were you in that uh, that hierarchy there? I'm in the middle. I'm number seven. Right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. What, yeah. Why are you? So that, doesn't that explain a few things? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't know Ginger as well as you do, but uh, hey, uh, gently the middle kid, you know? Yeah. The older kid, I don't the know older what you're saying. The older kid is the one that takes care of everybody. The younger kids are the wild one that uh, kind of takes so a little what, longer. What's to, the middle ones are you, uh, lacking attention. You're uh, you're usually uh, extroverted, uh, good personality, carry can carry hey, conversation. He's a doctor. Yeah, that's okay? true. He can explain it. I don't know. It's like you two agreed to gang up on me about this middle <laughs> child syndrome. I think thing. you would actually gang up on him. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's just make a pact. <laughs> Wait, what is this, Survivor? Wait, what? Or is this a podcast? <laughs> I'm just trying to prevent you guys from ganging up on me because oh, uh, I won't. I, I won't last very it's long. It's like shiny <laughs> object over here. But I just think that's. I mean, I love large families, and when they told me there was someone who had more siblings than I, but it's a different. You know, situation. Ginger's always obviously. competitive about it. When somebody's like, "Oh, we have more siblings than you," just, she's like, "You do? What? Oh, you think you got more siblings than me? Bring it!" Like, she's really defensive okay, about it. Good. Uh, last but not least, in our headlines today, we have my favorite segment. It is called your Floridiot of the week. Oh boy! I need to get a better voice. Yeah, yeah. We need to get a professional announcing it. Floridiot of the week. Try it. That sounds Stop. good. Floridiot of the week. That sounds pretty. Oh, good. Oh, that's you're hired. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What's well, better than me? Good. So there's this guy. Uh, well, I should uh, let me let me regress for a second here. Uh, one of our stations, it's WJXT in Jacksonville. They had this crazy story, terrible story, right? Six people get shot, mm -hmm. and they post it on Instagram. And so this firefighter responds to it. Okay, and I get firefighters, much like ER doctors, news people. We all see terrible things all the time. Firefighters are right on the front lines Sometimes of this. Sometimes well. we're jaded. You can definitely get jaded, but you don't post your jaded and your bitterness online. So I want to show you what he posted in response to a television station's Instagram post about a shooting of six people. He goes, about time, Jesus, it's been weeks since we had a good shooting. Hashtag got to keep that street cred with his 
picture of himself in his Jacksonville firefighter yeah. outfit right there next to it. Not a good look. Uh, he deleted it, but one of the viewers took a screenshot of it. Now yeah. they're investigating him at the fire department. He hasn't lost his job or anything, but he's certainly in some trouble. I feel like if that's the guy who's showing up to save you, I, I'd i be like, never mind. I'll just put this fire out myself. <laughs> I got you're, a garden you're at it. I don't like your attitude, yeah. sir, or your tweet, so I'm, I'm going to just handle it. Yeah. You know, we all make jokes about what we do for a living but i feel like once you put it out there in the public sphere it it just changes everything you can be sarcastic but that's not an example of how to be sarcastic especially if you're in the business of saving lives and you're you know wanting to keep that shooting streak alive something we talk about and we're Mm -hmm. you know it's a disturbing trend that's happening across the country not funny yeah Yeah. I, i would say pretty much if there's a mass shooting going on it's probably best to just avoid joking about it publicly at least it's amazing to me. Social media allows us to highlight uh, these people in their, uh, their their stupid mistakes. You know, it, 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 in this instance, I mean, I, this guy may be a nice guy. He may be a total d bag. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but one thing's for sure, he doesn't have the, uh, enough respons- uh, personal responsibility or maturity yeah. to yeah. not put something like this on social media. I mean, I mean, I'm sure when you guys are with friends, you make jokes that you would not want to be uh, blasted out in public. Exactly. Uh, but we also don't blast that out in public on social media. Correct. And this guy's like showing up to people's houses in the most vulnerable time. So I, I we can certainly agree that. Yeah. 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 Number Bad 2757 move. is not his day. No, yeah. definitely not. <laughs> exactly. And I hate that a lot of people are losing their jobs over saying stupid uh, things and that sort of thing. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, that whole that whole thing is. I a mean, tough are you topic. are you really sorry if they were just horrible people? Well, I feel like you should have i mean we might disagree on this i feel like you should get more than one chance like I, he said something stupid absolutely 100 yeah. yeah. stupid deserves to be punished but i don't know i, I hate taking yeah, I, don't, I don't want him to lose his job yeah but, but there are people who've said things that you know oh, there one, are some strike you can say some things that for sure you should get your but on the unemployment <laughs> like, like what like what, what do you oh. think? well let me tell you <laughs> let's in front move of this on camera. <laughs> and that gets us into our interview portion yes. of this uh florida's oh, fourth estate God, that's segue. yeah sorry we're right. working on it doc so uh, well the first few things i wanted to, i wanted to ease you into this uh interview i wanted to find out what the craziest thing as an er doctor you've been how many years now an er doc Nine, uh, like nine years now. Okay, nine years as an ER doc. Long time. You've seen some weird stuff. Give me your craziest, weirdest thing you've seen in the ER. It's tough because these things like blend together. Because uh, you know, I always tell people it's like uh, someone that works in the morgue. Like how weird would it be if you guys were dissecting a human body and putting embalming fluid in? But for them, that's just like that's just their day. Yeah. So like I see weird things regularly and I just goes in and out and I just forget about it uh, but uh, usually when people ask these questions what they're really looking for is uh, rectal foreign body stories <laughs> you know exactly what yeah. I was going for well, I did not <laughs> oh Ginger I misjudged I'm sorry <laughs> I'm so sorry it's fine uh, so what happened when Ginger came into the ER <laughs> <laughs> inappropriate I know sorry she asked for it <laughs> uh, but uh, usually when these guys usually usually it's guys uh, not always uh, but usually, usually it's the same story. Like I was walking around my garage naked, and I and I sat do. down on a stool that happened to have this object on it, and here I am. You know, that's usually the story. Oh, that's oh. 
Wow, you win. All right. Oh. That's terrible. Yeah. Sorry. You doctors earn that money as far as I I'm mean, concerned. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I'd quit. So, all right, let's. I had to, I had to ease into that. I don't <laughs> that, think I eased into anything. I don't anything. know if that was easing into that anything. Was, that was yeah. jarring. <laughs> uh, so, so, let's talk about the healthcare system we have. Uh, you know, it is the hot topic in news today, and a lot of people say that uh, it all comes to a head at our ERs. You are an ER doctor. Are people using the ERs for different things than their intended purposes? Uh, I, you know, I, I think uh, I think it's important to remember that, it, like in medicine, just like everything else, you know, everybody has a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're, you're going to get my point of view, my sure. perspective. Uh, but I think that unanimous, I think pretty much unanimously, uh, ER doctors feel like the ER is not used the way it was meant to be used and the way it was designed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're definitely, we're like, we're like the battleground of medicine. We're coming in the front lines uh, and we have to, you know, make first contact in a lot of, a lot of instances. I think the ER was meant to be taking, taking care of people that are in life-threatening emergencies or, you know, People feel like they're in life-threatening emergencies. I guess that's the gray zone, you know. But yeah. I think there is a, there's a lot of examples where the ER gets used when there probably would have been more appropriate to see a primary care physician or an urgent care. Um, so. Yeah, but there are cases where people they understand that they should go to a primary care physician. They either don't have one or can't afford one, and know that you guys have to see them. The, the, we are the safety net, and that certainly does happen. Um, you know, they, it ranges from people that just simply don't have the resources to, to have a primary care physician or don't have the resources to get into an urgent care or they can't, you know, you know, if, you, if you've got a problem going on, you can't get an appointment to see your primary care doctor for two, three, four weeks. Man, what are you going to do? I, I Thank God I'm an ER doctor. I'll, just say, I'll take, care of, take care of my family or like, give yeah. them some advice there. But, like, what would you do if you didn't have any kind of mental background, right? mm-hmm. medical background? Like, I can, I can see that being a... Uh, a yeah. difficult situation. But have you seen that in your nine years of doing what you've been doing, have you seen that more and more that people are coming to the ER for things that they probably shouldn't be coming there for? I don't think I'm seeing it in a higher frequency. I think it's kind of staying stagnant. Uh, I, so it's been, a, it's been an issue for the it, whole it's time. It's been an issue, and uh, I think there was a, a couple of years where people – there was a couple of years in the, in the in the last five years where I think some of the insurance, the way the insurances were designed, there was kind of an incentive to go to the ER uh, to avoid some copays and, and and get tests done more quickly and stuff mm. like that. But uh, it, it's just in my experience, it seems like it's kind of stayed about the same. Yeah. And some people do use the ER as their primary care provider. Basically, they they just go there if they have a sniffle or a sickness. Right? Is that is that fair to say? There's definitely people that have a very low threshold to go to the emergency department. And, you know, mm-hmm. for things like you and I, you know, like we, we might go work out or, you know, go, go to work and take, take an Advil or, you know, take, yeah. take some of acetaminophen or something like that. There's people that are like, oh, I'm going to the ER. We get checked out by the doctor. <laughs> I mean, it's a mess by the doctor, man. And, uh, you know, you get a work note. That, that definitely happens. Uh, yeah. And you've been a, you've been a doctor for a while now. I know your wife is a doctor. You come from a family of learned doctors. If you're a stepbrothers fan, right? No, uh, so, <laughs> just had to throw that in there. But uh, the business of being a doctor. Do most doctors that you associate with are they happy to be a doctor? I mean, back in the day, 
you know, being a doctor was oh kind of like it was the know, gold standard of career. Yeah, exactly. Like you walk around with your stethoscope when you go to dinner, you know, and everybody <laughs> buys your dinner. Yeah. I feel like has is it still that way? Like, do doctors still have that same like? I'm so glad I went to school for a million years to be able to do this. Yeah, it's it's funny. I. I I think there's a lot of cynicism in uh, in my profession. There's a lot of people that feel like it, they do not get treated fairly or uh, get the respect that there used to be. Certainly, that's the complaint of like the older generation, the generation that seems to be you know in the retirement age. I mean, they were still practicing in full force back in, in a kind of a golden period of medicine. Um, you know, now the climate's changed. Uh, you know, there's not as much autonomy. Uh, it, a lot of doctors work for larger corporations. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a fewer and fewer independent doctors that own their own clinic. My, my wife owns her own practice, which is kind of a rarity. It's not very common these days. Um, you know, very few ERs are their own, you know, group. Usually e- groups of ER doctors or, you know, employees of larger companies. Um, plus, pluses and minuses. Uh, but I, I think on the whole, people definitely feel frustrated in the situation. I I, I'm very fortunate. I love my job. I, you know, I love my career. I would definitely, I would definitely do the same thing. I'd make the same decisions and try to get into the same field uh, if I could do it over again. Yeah. See, you're an easygoing guy. I feel like if you had done whatever, you probably – because I'm a similar way. Like, there are people who are frustrated with news anchoring. I don't understand how because it's the greatest job. You guys are like rock stars. What are you talking about? No, back in the day, oh, everybody knew their news. I saw, I saw Anchorman. I know how that yeah, was. Yeah, that's yeah, how things yeah. have changed. Yes. You know, and look at me at the table, a lady. That's right. <laughs> when did you get here? <laughs> how did that happen? But uh, I, but I understand if you love it, you just love it, and yeah. it's like there are things that go with the territory, and it's like okay, I understand that goes with the territory. Yeah, trying to imagine as an ER doc, it's like every day, you know, you get to be thrust into somebody's like, you know, disaster. Like this, this thing that's going on in their lifestyle, their life that is such a big deal and so hard to, you know, overcome. And they're scared. And then like you get to come in and be involved with that, have that kind of personal connection, and try and solve it. Sometimes you solve it. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's not solvable. Sometimes it would have solved itself. But it's still, I, I feel pretty lucky that that's my job to kind of like, you know be be a role in that you know yeah and there's definitely some frustration you know I, you guys are all aware of like the abuses of the system and there's that's always going to happen sure. you know yeah. but it's a it's a good field it's a great profession and like but what it. is it that you know because on any given day sometimes the news is so rough and there are days where i either am crying on the set or crying when i leave home because it's just so and you feel like god what is going on on Does this anything planet. good happen? Anymore? Yeah. Oh, so, man. are there days that you have in the uh, ER like that? It's, it's like every day. I mean, it, you, you. Every specialty of medicine attracts a certain personality. Uh, you know, your pediatric oncologists are generally people that feel and are very empathetic and altruistic personalities. Um, you know, your radiologist. I think you have a family member. I have a brother-in-law. Right? Yeah. yeah, he's a you big know, nerd. Yeah, kind of a little bit. You know, I, I mean, I've met cool radiologists, uh, but you know, personalities. <laughs> Most of them are nerds. Uh, like ER doctors are generally pretty like laid back and pretty pretty cynical, and it's because you you kind of get if, if you are someone that wears your heart on your sleeve or yeah. gets affected emotionally easily, man, you'll get burned out really fast. Uh, so yes, there's a there's but, a tremendous. But- that's the kind of person you want taking care of you, someone who has heart and someone who does care. I mean, I, I, I mean, the guy who's kind of like standoffish and does a, an excellent job, I want that guy too, but I also want a guy who's going to care about me in, in the end and mm-hmm. like really want me to not just survive and do well, but like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I really am glad that Ginger's fine and doing okay, not next. Yeah, well, 
yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great asset to have in someone taking care of you, having them care about you and invested in you. Um, you, you also need someone that's not going to get emotionally vested and let their emotions uh, kind of warp their perception and warp their idea mm-hmm. of what the next step to do. You need someone that, you know, is approaching it like, I've been here before, I know what I'm doing, this is, you know, okay, this person is, they're losing an airway, they're having a heart attack, they're, they're, they're bleeding out somewhere, and, you know, you just kind of step by step, uh, we could do this, we could do that, and stay calm, and keep everybody else calm. I mean, that's, imagine if someone comes in, and there's, you know, blood everywhere, and whatever yeah. crazy thing's going on, like, it gets pretty wild in there, and one of, the, one of the most challenging things is just get everybody to relax, we got this, you know, like, calm down. So, yes, you want someone that cares, but you also need someone that's, you know, not going to be uh, emotional or um, histrionic or someone that, you know, it's kind of. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is I would be a terrible ER dog. Oh, you would not. <laughs> you would last a half a day. It'll take, not even. It'll take a few years of residency. You'll be in shift shop shape. Oh, yeah. We'll chop that yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, right. <laughs> I'm curious what you think when you see, like, politicians talking on TV about health care as if it's something that they know. Because I don't think it's a – there are some fields I don't think should be political. You know, I, I don't think that they really know anything about it. I, I just kind of want to know what works, you know, that other countries have certain systems. We have a certain system. Do you, and you work in a system that is based on insurance companies and co-pays and all that, and it has its complications. A lot of people are talking about socialized medicine, med- mm-hmm. Medicare for all. Do you have any idea? I mean, you haven't worked in that system, but do you have any idea of, like, if that would, would that bring different complications? Would that solve the problem? That's a very complex question, and, uh, you know, it's obviously something that, People's people's belief of that sways you know pretty drastically sure. based on the political yeah. leanings. It's very whatnot. ideological. Like the first part of your question, like how do I feel when I hear politicians talking about that? I feel like politicians just say what they think you want to hear. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's very it's very nice to say. I, I think everyone should have, you know, health care. I think everyone should have access to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that, that's that's great. That's that 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 is how it should be. You know, yeah. like people should have access to care and being taken care of mm-hmm. uh but it, you know it's kind of hard to kind of get that it's kind of hard to, to do that and then keep everybody else happy that works really hard and has you know health care the way that in our current system i yeah. you know gosh the finances I, and yeah. I, I wish i had i wish i had a great solution uh, I, I i do you know one thing that i worry about is if you know we had like you know medicare for all that that sort of situation which is like i, I think that's a, a pretty big platform going yeah, on for us right, right now. now is you know I mean, that's kind of like what Medicaid is, you know, like uh, Medicaid is for the people that don't have insurance, that are low income. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, got, I got bad news for you. Most doctors won't take Medicaid because it, mm-hmm. it reimburses very poorly. Yeah. Uh, and those people that have Medicaid have very limited access. Mm-hmm. So if you expand Medicare for all, I feel like that's just going to kind of move, move, uh, you know, move the standard down a little bit. Like uh, yeah. you know, everyone's going to Medicare is going to become the new Medicaid. And then the people, uh, you know, that are professionals and have good jobs for companies that are going to kind of have to get supplemental insurance on top mm-hmm. of that to go and see the same doctors that you currently see. That's kind of the that's kind of the the, the paradox, the paradigm that I see unfolding. Yeah. But I, oh gosh, I, you know, I can't, can't see the future on that one. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's it's so complex. Even you know, even the president, he he had 
he wanted to tear up Obamacare, and then he got into the White House, and he was like, you know, this, this is, is complicated. Com yeah, I think that was exactly what this is complicated. <laughs> oh, this, this is, is hard, hard stuff. Uh... Wait, there's not just one easy fix. It's not black and white. But it was nice. I, I mean, I, I give him credit for saying, this is not easy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think if it were easy, it, we would have had a better solution by now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think everybody wants to fix it, but it is yeah. just so difficult to figure out. And we... Yeah, nobody wants people not getting the health care they need. I think we can all agree on that, but the the costs associated with it and everything else are just really tricky to try to figure out. I think, I mean, you talk about other countries and other health care systems and, and the cost. I mean, I think one of the, the, the greatest cost control methods other countries have is resource allocation. Uh, you know, it, I can't tell you it's so hard to see people bring in, you know, little grandma that's demented and has been in a bed for five years that you know can't even really talk to you it's just you know it's a it's a it's a a bag of bones that's still breathing and the heart's yeah. still beating and and grandma's dying and they say do everything and so grandma goes from you know she could have had a nice peaceful death uh with no no pain and no no fear mm -hmm. uh goes to having needles put everywhere mm -hmm. and being on a ventilator and you know being kept alive for two or three weeks only for the ultimate you know, yeah. death to go on. And that, yeah. to me, that is where a tremendous amount of healthcare money, resources get wasted. But like, you know, who's, who's going to come in and say, hey, guys, when your mom gets sick, if she's over 75, we're going to just keep her comfortable, okay? I mean, no. like, no one, no, no yeah. one can sit back and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Uh, everyone's like, no, this is my mom. I'm yeah. going to do everything I can. I'm going to fight for my mom. And, and, sure. that, and that's, yeah. that's the kind of thing that sure. we And, and, and it's easy to think about in. it when it's not you. You know, like uh, mm -hmm. my dad, he, he got, he broke his neck. He was a quadriplegic and he woke up on a ventilator and he looked me in the eye, you know, after everything was said and done, he still has nightmares about it. He says it was the worst feeling he's ever had. Mm -hmm. He goes, if you ever let me put, <laughs> let them put that thing on me one more time I, and I get better, I'm going to kill you myself because <laughs> yeah. I, he doesn't ever want to deal with that again. And it's something you never think about, you know, sure. I would yeah. just think, hey, do whatever, put it on him, mm -hmm. stick it down his throat, whatever. But I guess if you're the human being having to deal with all that, the needle poking in the ventilator, that it certainly changes. Yeah, I know. I mean, as somebody who recently last year went through this almost same situation with my mom, and it's yeah. like it's someone you love that person and you want them to do everything they mm -hmm. can to help her. But, you know, when you're 85, it's a different story. And yeah. the quality of life, the quality of life is not going to be there. They can do only so much. And then a couple of weeks later or maybe a month later, what was ultimately going to happen happened. So you just extended the life for a short that's period of so time. That's so hard. Like I, I, I know that because I'm Im immersed in medicine. I see this so frequently. But that's what's so hard to explain to people. Mm. It's like, you know, your 85-year-old father fell and broke his hip. Mm. Well, and, you know, your 85-year-old father has dementia or, like, whatever else, yeah. lung disease. Okay, well, you can either do nothing and he can't walk and he's probably going to, you know, die in a year because he's just bed-bound. Mm -hmm. uh, or he can go through a pretty big surgery. And if he survives the surgery, which has some risks to it, mm -hmm. he's probably going to die in the next three months. But maybe he'll live for another year and a half or two, you yeah. know, like. Ugh. I hear the maybe, and that's yeah. all I'm focused yeah, on. I mean, and that's that's how it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's complicated, man. It really it's, is. it's human nature, and I I, I would fall victim to it too. It's just I I, I live it, and I, you know I find yeah. that the more the higher the education level, of the family, the more realistic they are yeah. about up outcomes. Because, I man, if you guys have ever had, ever had any kind of medical problems, 
it's miserable. It hurts like hell. Oh. I, 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 I almost pass out when I get it, when I get blood drawn. I mean, like, you know, like I, <laughs> what? I can't imagine. I know I, I can do terrible things to people. Uh, but man, you, you put a, you put a needle in me, I start getting sweaty. Oh my you know, gosh. Like, yeah, it's, I feel like such a hypocrite. Um, you know, another thing. I, my, my, I'm talking about my wife. My wife's, you know, she's an OBGYN. She owns her own practice. You know, another thing that's a, a big, I think, a big uh, money uh, succubus is, uh, you know, healthcare is like getting like kind of, you know, large corporations are kind of bringing in doctors and getting, you know, there's there's kind of safety in numbers because you know medicine's a business. Uh, the insurance is it's it's not like uh, when you go to the store and get a sandwich and you just give the guy that made the sandwich for you five bucks. You know it's, it's there's a little middleman involved with it. You know mm-hmm. so like you know the the doctor or the company wants to make the money. Uh, they have to get it from the insurance company. The insurance company negotiates how much they're going to be paying yeah. for a service. Uh, there's a lot of power in numbers mm-hmm. in order to negotiate with the insurance companies. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fostering the system where like hospitals are kind of bringing in doctors as employed physicians and uh, large groups are forming in order to negotiate with insurance companies. Get a better deal if there's more Make more, more money. And it kind of drowns out the smaller practices. So, you know, one thing that keeps costs down, if you, if you, uh, you know, if you are able to find a doctor that's got their own practice, a small small doctor, a, a independent doctor, your cost will be less because they have lower reimbursement rates with the insurance company, and you're, therefore your copay is going to be directly lower. It's, a, it's some, especially outside of the hospital, mm-hmm. like if you're doing outpatient medicine, if you're going for checkups or whatever you need, yeah. there's every clinic has a billing department that can talk to you about this stuff, and you know, it just it takes a little time to be like, hey, let's sit down. How much is this going to cost? How much is my insurance? Yeah pay you know how much am I going to pay yeah. out of pocket that's a, another thing I would look at I have a, a couple of questions for you one I, as someone who recently had emergency surgery I broke my wrist not oh, long wow. ago yeah and so it's like in the process while you're sitting there you're in pain and you're kind of like suffering and not knowing what's happening Bi- people from the billing department are coming in and asking you if hey do you want to take care of this now or should we take care of this later or yeah. who's gonna it, I, I don't it awkward. It, it's so awkward why is that why do i mean not why why is it awkward but i mean does that have to happen is that just how it works i don't know i mean i i can't i totally notice because i always come in and the billing people are talking to them and i'm like hey guys i i'm gonna help this you know, person. You know, sometimes you know they're supposed to like just step out when you when i yeah. come in which like makes you feel kind of weird like i was like oh i'm so important get out of my way <laughs> it's time for me to talk uh, but like in a way it's like the patient's here for like you know some kind of medical emergency yes. and it's like you're like you sign here sign here and then x that out yeah you know and it's like all right dude come back in a little bit you know uh and sometimes they're like just one more signature and you have to wait for like a minute and a half like oh, oh my god. god just sitting okay. there like twiddling my thumbs but i don't know when else when else are you gonna do that you know i don't like, know when i like, check out after, if after, i live after we give you a ton of, after we give you a ton of pain medication <laughs> you're kind of loopy that's you know? true or like that's the, the true. next day after know. you have the surgery i, I don't like, know i don't know when a good, a good time i don't think there's do there a good time i like the way it seems like especially in the er I feel like they've kind of maximized that, like while you're waiting for the doctor or for the test to come back. Sure. Then they'll come in and be like, hey. And like, I mean, you know, yeah. the majority of ER patients are like, I don't have insurance card. I don't have that stuff with me. You know, yeah. and they're just like, yeah, you know, they don't kick you out. They just so okay. They uh, just check the. Oh my god. They check the don't have it button. Yeah. And, uh, and, and keep moving. You know. Oh yeah. my god. Okay. So you could probably tell them. That's what I'd rather should, do it. Later. You should have the yeah. surgeon just ran. That's. <laughs> oh now, now you're me. Now what is that a dying and dash yeah. ER style? Yeah, yeah. That's a, 
<laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask you about, to see if you had an opinion on, you know, we do stories all the time on people who go to other countries for medical treatment. Like, I feel like here in America, we have the gold standard of treatment in hospitals. Yes. And there are people who go to other countries to have certain procedures done because they say it's cheaper, Save it's more affordable. Yeah. yeah I, but was, I, just, I was looking at the Mexican butt implants for myself. It's, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering. I yeah. noticed. Yeah. 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 I've, always had, I've always had that flat white man ass. So. <laughs> just put some fix-a-flat in there and you're good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. So you've been too. Good. No, God. <laughs> This is not how I planned it. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's not your but, question? Go no, ahead. I'm sorry. Not. I interrupted you. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I feel like that's just a scary thing. But their other alternative is maybe not being able to afford what they can have done here. I mean, yeah, Ginger, I've heard of that also. Uh, you know, I think I kind of you'll see TV shows that kind of make that sound, seem kind of sexy. Usually when I hear the news stories of where it's gone wrong, that's yes. how I yeah. mostly know about that. And most of the stories that I've encountered have gone for elective procedures like plastic surgeries mm -hmm. and stuff like that, where it's way cheaper to go to get a, uh, a facelift or implants done in a, a country that has less regulation or doesn't have as much, I don't know, the, the economy is not as stable, so sure. they're, they're paying less. Uh, so I, I would not think that's a good idea. I've never heard of someone that's gone and been like, I have got to get my gallbladder taken out. <laughs> <laughs> or like, whoa, my wrist is broken. Yeah, let me and, just fly uh, to no, another country. Nobody here is going to take my uh, my, my insurance because it's too crappy. So I'm going to go to Mexico and get this to yeah. Yeah. Canada. I, I hear of other countries sending people down here to get their medical procedures done. That's, that, that is something that's a lot more commonly, yeah. I don't know, that I'm more aware of. Sure. It makes a lot of sense. Well, this has been good. He was. I told you he was going to be good. I you said, I got well, McDreamy for the show. You We're said it was going to be dicey. You said it was going to be dicey. Yeah. Oh, you said dicey? <laughs> I might have said dicey. <laughs> I might have said I'm worried Jake, about I told you you're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This was far too fun. You did a great job. Thank you, Thanks, Doc. Nice. Uh, and, uh, yeah, tell your wife we said hi. And uh, Ginger Gadsden, my name's Matt Austin. Have yourself a fantastic day. This has been Florida's Fourth Estate. <laughs>